This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. As we learned, uh, well, a couple of hours ago, the Dutch man convicted of extorting and harassing BC teenager Amanda Todd has been sentenced to 13 years in prison. Ian Coban uh, learned his fate in U.S. Minster Supreme Court today, a decade after Todd's suicide uh, prompted a nationwide conversation about cybersecurity and online bullying. Weeks before her death, the young Port uh, Coquitlam resident posted a YouTube video detailing how she had been targeted and tormented by a stranger on the Internet. Todd took her own life on October 10, 2012, at the age of 15. Uh, Since that day, and uh, uh, through numerous newscasts, you've seen our next guest, you've heard our next guest, you've heard, uh, read about what she has said to say in newspapers. She uh, has uh, been there since day one. She was there today. Carol Todd is Amanda Todd's mother, and she joins us now. Carol, thank you for speaking to us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. your thoughts uh, when that verdict came down? Um, what went through your mind? Um, I had to actually ask my son, who was sitting next to me, if I had heard correctly. Um, I think I was expecting a lower sentence just because Crown had initially asked 12 and defense asked six and then two. Um, so I didn't think that 12 was even going to be in the range. And then when Justice Devlin went to 13, it was just my heart. Just I pulled my heart steady was, mm-hmm. was what I needed. So um, I am truly happy that this, it came to this. Like, 13 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is a tough one to answer. I, I, and, uh, you know, I, I, but I think I should ask, can you give me a sense of what it was like all these years coming to court, uh, talking to media about this case. I mean, uh, you know, my sense of things is always that, you know, long after the cameras are gone and reporters are gone, and you know, individuals have to deal with their grief. Individuals have to deal with the stresses and the pains. What has kept you going all these years? What has kept me going? I, I have a funny feeling, and people have asked me this over the years, um, I think some of it comes from my own childhood. Um, and then having my son and my daughter uh, and, and going through some of the turbulences of, of life and being an educator. And so advocacy has always been uh, near and dear to me because I, as a, a special ed educator, I was always there to advocate for my, my students and my families. And as Amanda grew up and she had some learning disabilities and her mental health, I advocated for her. And after she passed away, it just didn't, it, it seemed normal to continue to advocate for something that I felt so strongly about that needed change. And um, back in 2009 and 2010, when she was being exploited and, and now we know the word extorted, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and people 
around me didn't know what that was. And then she died by suicide. And then it was, oh, well, you know, subsourcing, it's just coming into the internet as, as, a, as a terminology. Um, I felt it was really important that people understood what that meant because now look in 2022, and if you Google search sextortion and, and find out what, what's going on around the world, it's everywhere. And that's the accessibility to the Internet, the ability to hide behind the screen. And so this sets precedence and awareness and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of parents listening. Uh, to us right now, what would you want to say to them uh, in regards to what some of the issues that you brought up uh, here? I mean, in this case, mm-hmm. I, I do believe Mr. Coban had uh, two different, two dozen different aliases. So one person can be twenty-four people, thirty people, just based yeah. on the aliases. Um, a lot of parents out there listening. What would you want to say to them today? I would say to learn more about how the internet works, what goes on in the in the in the internet world the accessibility of um, chat functions in, in different applications. Ha- learn about it. Have those conversations with your kids. And some people will, some parents will say, well, what at what age do we start that conversation? We can start that conversation really young. I was just listening to some police officers in the United States, and they were talking about kids as young as five years old were being exploited and extorted online through simple gaming apps that we thought were innocent. So anybody can hide behind an avatar and ask those questions to your child. How old are you? Where do you go to school? And and innocent young children who don't know any better will just talk and tell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, have to, we have to have those pre-existing conversations with our kids about this is what you don't say to someone that you don't know. Like, yeah. We had those conversations before there was technology, the stranger danger talks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have those technology talks with our kids. And then as kids get older, um, we have to talk about sexting, sending nude images, um, who, you, who, you friend on, who you befriend on the Internet, how to, how to check to see if that, a person is real on the Internet. You know what? I never thought I'd be in this situation of losing my daughter, of sitting here today in front of BC Supreme Court, having seen that her predator was convicted of 13 sentenced for 13 years. Never knew all those things. I never expected it to happen in my family. Um, and no one does either, right? Do you think that we need tougher laws? And the U.S. is looking at some of this already. But do you think we need tougher laws that holds some of these internet giants, whether it be Google or their ownership of YouTube or Mark Zuckerberg and his ownership of Facebook and Instagram, uh, we have TikTok as well and Twitter, do you think there needs to be greater accountability uh, demanded from internet giants, social media giants, beyond giving them the, the go-ahead saying, well, you just, you just pass along the message. You're not actually liable. Do we need greater accountability and laws that are tougher laws to demand greater accountability from some of these online sources? Oh, definitely so, right? These, these social media networks and, and the bigger ones, right, often just do what they want to do, and they have the money and the power if someone wants to um, go after them to change. They don't. But there has to be some 
grouping together of, of organizations to go after these. And, and the government is a good one, right? To, to make sure there's regulatory practices on social media networks in order to protect our, our children and families. And so I think there is something that came out of the, out of the UK last week about Molly. Um, and, and Molly was, had mental health issues, but she was, her, her social media feeds were just filling up with things that she had searched on about, you know, um, self-harm. Mm-hmm. And there was some legislation passed out there. I know that Canada, it, the federal government is holding roundtables looking at the regulatory processes of social networking and the harm that it brings. So that's a start, right? And I know the U.S. is doing a roundtable, um, the White House is doing a roundtable on regulatory and what social media networks are bringing into our stream. So it, it's coming. Everything's a slow process, but we can't give up. We can't stop the fight even though it gets frustrating at times. And I have to say that Amanda's case, going to court, it got frustrating because it kept getting postponed or, you know, the delays and the waits. And, and 10 years later, here we are. And her case now, what happened today is precedent, is case precedent setting for other kids, families, and trials that will go on in the future. Um Kara, you've sat in that courtroom, you've talked to police over the years and their broad uh, investigation. Um, do you have any sense of Mr. Koban uh, and why he did what he did? What makes him tick? I mean, sometimes if you just view somebody and see them and, and, and wit- witness their comments, what's your sense of who he is? Truthfully? Mm-hmm. He is a narcissist, sociopathic man who has not admitted to any of the crimes he, he has committed against any of those individuals in the Netherlands for which he's serving an almost 11-year sentence. And now, like, one of the reasons why he wanted to be extradited to, um, to Canada was so that he could get acquitted, so that he could be found not guilty and clear his name. He wrote a four-page letter back in 2016 and sent it to the press so that we could all read it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the Netherlands in 2017 for the, the Dutch trial, and I saw the same kind of arrogance um, that he displayed here. And through his lawyers, you could tell that, you know, not, a, not an ownership of doing any wrongdoing. But luckily the judges there saw through him and gave him 11 years. And luckily, the judge here saw through and gave him thirteen. Yeah, Carol, uh, it's it's been a, a huge day for you, and uh, and I really appreciate you taking your time uh, for us today and for our audience and speaking to CKNW. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me, Jazz.